0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Songwriters on Process podcast. My name is Benno Papari, and since 2010, I've run the Songwriters on Process website, where you can find more than 200 conversations with songwriters about the creative process. I'm not here to talk about tour stories, band drama, how a band got its name, or favorite foods. My goal is to treat songwriters as writers, plain and simple. This is an intelligent conversation about the writing process between two writers. And today's interview is with George Clark and Carrie McCoy of Deaf Heaven. You know, I would love to do more metal interviews on this site. I grew up with metal. It's been a love of my life. I mean, it was the first music I really got into as a young kid. And I don't have enough metal interviews on here, so I really enjoy talking to these two guys. Uh, We did this interview again back in uh, August of 2021 and Deaf Heaven's latest album, Infinite Granite is out now on sergeant house um what i thought was interesting about this so just as far as what these two guys do in the uh in the band um george clark writes the lyrics and carrie mccoy writes much of the music um and for both of them it's about putting themselves in the best possible headspace to make something for mccoy that happens to be surfing he tries to go every morning because it's one of the few times in his life where he can purely be in the moment No watch, no phone, he said. And uh, he did say that more than than a few Deaf Heaven riffs have emerged from his time on the water. For George Clark, it's a workout. Either the gym or running, that's a good way to prepare. Uh, So what he does, he works out, then he drives to their L.A. studio uh, where they record or write. And um, for him, it's working out. But either one of them, right, whether it's surfing or working out, Physical activity very important to the creative process. I've always believed that. Um, so it's not just the process itself that's important; it's the preparation to get to the process, and that's what these guys talked a lot about today. Uh, one more thing, uh, George Clark said, "I'm always writing new ideas. I keep notes of things I'm thinking about, things I wake up thinking about. It's mining for new inspiration." But uh, carrie McCoy told me, "I try not to force the songwriting because when I do." The music tends to be very derivative, so a little bit of opposing forces there, but that's why maybe they work so well. Anyway, enjoy my interview with George Clark and Carrie McCoy of Deaf Heaven. Um, George, we'll start with you. How much writing are you doing outside of songwriting, if any? I mean, uh, songwriters tend to be often journal, you know, they write in journals or they do poetry or short stories, anything outside of songwriting
1: yeah um i think that i am always sort of in the midst of uh of of writing new ideas even if i'm not writing say a specific piece i'm I'm typically um keeping notes of things that i'm thinking about things i'm waking up thinking about uh mining for for new inspirations things like that I, i think when when say we're quote like off cycle and not not strictly working on an album, um, those things definitely keep up and occasionally I'll release writing, um, on its own. But, um, yeah, I, I think, I think it always sort of needs to be a forward momentum. And then, I when we get to a point where we're actually placing them, um, I can choose between what I've written and, um, it, it, in that way, it's less strenuous than having to kind of come up with, all of the ideas and, and, and all the, all the forms in a more immediate way. So if I hear correctly, then it's, you're just writing a lot of stuff,
0: you know, in various fashion. And then when it comes time to write songs, you're kind of saying, Hmm, maybe this could be a song. Like, are you doing, I guess my question is maybe differently. Are you doing, writing that is separate from songwriting like journal writing or stuff like that
1: it's it's all kind of the same honestly yeah yeah and 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 occasionally i'll have poems that i've published on their own that then find their way into songs or partially into songs um and vice versa um uh, yeah i i just have like a i have like a central place where i keep all of it and and when it's ready to be used i i go through and and i mine and I, i find what kind of is um emotionally connecting I guess uh, what would I feel like fits the tone of the song um, and then we move from there do you and Carrie do you think
0: it's important are you playing every day like there's got to be times when you don't feel like it do you feel like it's important just to create something every day
2: no uh, oh. I I uh, for me at least I um, there was there's there's times where I go through a lot of um, big stretches of creativity um, and that's anything from, you know, guitar and guitar by myself or like playing with the bands or helping other people with their records or uh, messing around with Ableton or synthesizers or something like that. There's there's times where I'll go through really intense um, things where I'm doing it every day um, and then there will be long stretches where I. Long stretches being like a couple weeks or something like that, where maybe I will sort of get on Ableton uh, once a week or something like that, or, you know, I'll uh, sort of pick up the guitar here and there. But I've found, um, at least in this point in my life, at least, that it's really important for me to not try and force anything and to um, let my brain kind of relax and kind of recycle itself in a weird way. So when you're not creating and it's not
0: happening, that doesn't bother you, you're good with that. Like you don't get anxious.
2: No, no, I don't. Uh, I feel almost like, um, it, well, cause there's two kinds of creating kind of for me. There's like the stuff I do by myself at home, like I said, on Ableton or synthesizers, or sometimes I will uh, help other people with their records or whatever. And then there's like the band, capital letter, <clears throat> the band, creativity. And that the second, the latter of, the, of those is almost like a um, it's almost like a fine tuned muscle at this point where uh, when the five of us get in a room together, I don't even have to really do anything. It just kind of turns itself on. And we all know each other so well and we can read each other's minds. And we're in such a groove that it kind of just like oh, goes back to this and we get back into the familiar um, uh, swing of things. So so I don't really get concerned at all. I, I try not to force it, um, because when I force it is when I find I write a lot of derivative things or, uh, yeah, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Um, so, George, rather than the typical question of, hey, did you write a lot during the pandemic, um, or what was it like? I think th- I'd rather ask you in terms of, is it how easy is it for you to write under great emotional weight, like independent of the pandemic, um, George, you know, regardless, do you find that there's a point where emotional weight just makes it difficult for you to write, or is that the easiest time for you to write?
1: I I think that there's a a common misconception that that people um, find inspiration in depression. And and I think you often hear that, um, that sort of cliche, with musicians, especially, you know, like I can only work when when I'm down and and I actually don't find that. I I find that my writing is typically a response to those times. I think that um, when I am um, feeling periods of depression or anxiety, I tend to not work. Um, I tend to kind of fold into the interior. And then once I can make sense of those feelings, understand the root of them uh the cause of them and and i can and i can and then i can in a clearer way jot down what it is that 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 i'm feeling um so i would say that the writing is more a catalyst to those things not necessarily happening in the duration of
0: you know hemingway said you he could never write about paris when he was in paris he could never write about you know spain when he was in spain he needed distance
1: from those things and i think Right. That's kind of what you're talking about, a little bit about that space that you need. I think so. Yeah. I think that a lot of my all in fact, all of my writing is reflection. Um, I'm I'm hardly I'm never writing in a moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie, I saw you nodding. Are you like, are you that same
0: type of person? I mean, generally when you write, um, do you need distance from something to be able to write about it or can you write in the moment?
2: Um Yeah. yeah. I I was, I was mostly agreeing. I feel like with, with George, with the, uh, you know, the whole uh, tortured artist. uh, Yeah. You know, I, I think that, um, while of course, emotions can create, like help create great art and stuff like that. I think one of the biggest uh, not lies or whatever, but is, is the whole, um, You know a lot of the thing especially when it comes to drugs and stuff Mm -hmm. like that with with musicians and oh this record's so great because you can tell he's doing this here or this there or whatever or something like that well i do think with certain types of you know sergeant pepper or whatever can or something like that you can there's a good amount of psychedelic influence and stuff but with the real destructive stuff um you know i as someone who went through something similar to that i found that it really choked off uh my creativity and um so when george is talking about uh you know uh writing pain great pain creating great art i, I agree with him on that a lot of it it's it's not really a, something that should be romanticized
1: yeah i we you know carrie and i i most people I, I i feel like that are musicians but especially in the case of our own band um yeah those kind of things are, are stoppages they 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 don't fuel anything. They just kind of, yeah, make everything more difficult. My PhD is in 20th century uh, American theater.
0: So playwrights like Eugene O'Neill, Tennessee Williams. There is a very, very distinct line between like when they started to get so deep into alcohol the writing was, is unreadable. Like, yeah. I mean, we're we're talking like, you know, Hemingway, I mean, uh, Tennessee Williams, Tennessee Williams, Eugene O'Neill Williams, especially was writing some of those last plays. I mean, I don't don't know how they got published. And that's not, that's kind of a universal feeling is that you read some of those plays and you compare those to his early masterpieces, like, you know, Glass Menagerie, um, Streetcar Named Desire, and, and the same, it's just, there's a note, like you can tell, okay, here's when he was drinking
1: and drunk all the time. And here's when he wasn't. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's actually really interesting. I was reading a uh, cat on a hot tin roof here. Ah. Um, and and uh, there's a, there's a, a British author, Olivia Lang, who has this book called trip to echo spring, which chronicles yeah. al- alcoholic American. Writers. I've read it. It's a great and, book. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and very good points because yeah, he ends up in a hotel and it's claustrophobic and it's, it's not, um, it's not the vision that people have, you know, and it and it very much in, in reading her account of, of his life. Um, I think it, it, it's much more reflective of the reality of, mm-hmm. of, of what it means to be a creative person dealing with um, depression and and the things that come from that alcoholism, drug addiction, et cetera.
0: Um, OK, so let's talk about that ritual then, um, Carrie. I'll start with you. Um how important is ritual? The idea I'm fascinated by the idea of ritual of writers, you know, how important is the idea of ritual to your process, Carrie, like time of day place, you know, for me, I know there's a certain chair I'd like to be in when I write, it means nothing. I just know the mojo is there and it's worked before. So I'll always stay there, but Carrie, how important is that ritual to a good writing process for you?
2: Um, again, I, I would say, um, Outside of uh the practice, you know, with with the band especially, um yeah <laughs> I will not shut that up. Uh <laughs> outside of uh you know the certain let me think. It, it's really it, the time of day does not matter for me. The uh there are certain things before and after that I hmm. like to do that are very important to me. Um I find there are things that I can do that are in my, where I'm in the best possible headspace to, uh, you know, receive whatever ah. universe. Uh, a lot of that is I, I go, I pretty much try and surf every day if I can, um, pretty early in the morning. And then I like to, depending on the day, like go to the gym after that. And, um, when I come home from that and I've showered and eaten something and made some coffee or something like that, I will sit down at like the home studio. And that is usually when is like, I, I'm in the best possible mood to, to make something. If, if it's, if it's a day that's that that's going to happen again with, with a band, it's a thing where um, it becomes a ritual strictly because of our general schedules. So it's usually a thing of, again i will try and surf squeeze surfing in like pretty early and then be at uh, our practice space up in uh, Tahunga by like 10 30 or so i think is usually when we do 10 30 or 11. yeah and um i guess that's a bit of a ritual in in that uh we you know we always have kathy's cold brew there which is (laughs) ridiculously strong and um you know, it's always like the same 10 minutes walk in, say hi to Shiv and everybody, and uh, and then just start bouncing ideas off of each other. So for me, it's more of it's different because I don't try. I kind of I I really try and make sure that um, that uh, as lazy as this may sound, I try and make music feel as as little like a job as possible. Mm-hmm and i try and um not set unrealistic expectations to myself but also at the same time that it's a slippery slope because you can um you can get lazy you know you can be like oh, i don't want to do this edit on this thing that i'm sending to this guy i'm going to copy and paste all this and the automation and i gotta do this and this and this. and then the next thing you know it's been like three days and come on you should send this thing to this guy uh but um and for the most part, I, I I find it works best for me when it's something that I enjoy doing. And that's not to mm-hmm. say that um, there hasn't been times where we've been under the gun and squeezed something out. Like uh, I think a great example of that is um, from the kettle to the coil. And I would also say, uh, uh, Gifts for the Earth is like mm-hmm. that ninth inning. Like man, we need a song here, <laughs> but and then some of those things are. So, Gifts for the Earth is one of my favorite songs that we have. So, um, but yeah, I'm kind of wandering away from the the question. So, I, I no, not say, at all. I, I would I would say that ri- in terms of ritual, I I again with the two muscles, it would be at home. I I have the little studio in my room. Where like I have a chair and I have this thing and I get a LaCroix and I have some cold brew and I make sure that I have, you know, I've surfed and done positive things for myself physically, spiritually, emotionally, et cetera, and am in the best possible headspace to uh to let it happen. And if it sometimes it doesn't happen, then that's okay. I, I leave it up to other people. But um again, for the band muscle, it's the 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 routine or the ritual kind of just is is at a necessity. And I think. While it is uh, uh helpful for for us, it is also like we've written we've written records in very chaotic, non-ritualized where everyone's supposed to be there at 3 p.m. and everyone shows it up at 5 p.m. and everyone's over and negative and whatever, and it's we still can produce things. So yeah. Yeah. Um I've many I guess
0: many comments or or follow-ups. One is, you know, a lot of songwriters tell me about the role of water. Mm-hmm. Um, to their process, whether it's swimming, uh, you know, the, the act of how many ideas come to them when they're swimming, they grow up on the water. And you know, how many ideas come to them? Liz Fair actually, who lives, you know, lives in LA. When I interviewed her last month, she talked about even the stroke. There was like, I think the freestyle was the most effective stroke, and she loves a good flip term. Like that was actually in right. the interview. And um, you know, so yeah, do you find that that water being around water?
2: Uh, it can be kind of a catalyst for good ideas. I would say absolutely. Um, As you know, I've only been surfing like three and a half years at this point now, but um, it, uh, it's a very meditative thing for me as someone that always has a bunch of noise in his head and is constantly trying to quiet it down. Um, It, uh, one of the, it's one of the few times in my life where you, where I can really purely be in the moment. And that's, you know, that's both when you are in the middle of a wave or whatever. And then also there's, there'll be these, these really peaceful moments where you'll just be out there and you'll, you'll like, you know, you don't have your, you don't have a watch on, you don't have your phone with you. You don't have anything. A lot of times, some spots I'll go to, it'll be two guys in the water or something like that. Two people Mm -hmm. in the water. And it's just you and this very hypnotic rhythmic motion. And you're just sitting there. It's it's almost like you're, you're driving or something. When you're driving, you're sitting there and your front brain or whatever it is, is, is focusing on the task at hand, searching for waves, being aware of your surroundings, making sure like I can go for that or I should get over this before it, you know, trying to be aware and be safe in the water. And then the back of your mind, I'll always find that I will have. 15 seconds of a song stuck in my head over and over, hmm. and over and over and over and over again. And then because it's just doing that in the, the front of my brain is busy with a task at hand, I'll, I'll a lot of the times, especially when we were writing, I would have whatever we had worked on the day before in my head. There's an end. There's one of the last rips on the record was thought of in that moment of like, oh, what if we took this? with Mombasa, Shiv had this, this, uh, this acoustic thing, and I had done this very wistful kind of uh, delay lead over it. And uh, which again was something that was very, I was trying to mimic like a, essentially like the, the feeling of like sunset at a beach and it's a beautiful day. And you can, you're kind of just in this wistful little, like gratitude moment. And, um, and so I wanted to take those chords and kind of repurpose for them at the end with this big like rush of emotion kind of feeling and to expand upon it uh, and take it even further than it had been before. I had the idea for that actually with Chris, our bass player out in the ocean. So George, um, how about you? I guess,
0: do you have how important, how important is ritual to your process?
1: Um, I think I'm like, Carrie, uh, I I like to show up. Um, I like to show up feeling, feeling, uh, bodily energized. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I like to, uh, usually it's, it's him and I kind of have a similar schedule, wake up, go to the gym. Um, and then, uh, come back, shower, change, grab a coffee on the way to the studio uh probably have a coffee right when i get to the studio um you know uh a little bit of food like a protein bar or something just just keep enough to keep my body quite settled um as we as we start but other than that to be honest with you the the ritual is is kind of just us being together it's Mm -hmm. it's the it's the collective that for me it's it kind of it doesn't necessarily matter Because as Carrie was saying, we have so many, we've had so many different experiences that I find it doesn't necessarily matter what time of day it is or where we are, what city we're in or space we're at. Um, it's, it's the chemistry between us. Um, when, when we're all settled and, and, and as one that, um, that consistently shines through. And, and that for me, that for me is, is the, is the consistent part is, is the thing that, that is always the same, um, regardless of surrounding, but yeah, I do like to do those couple of things and just get into like a decent headspace and, and a positive headspace because you're going to run into brick walls and it's completely natural. And some days you're going to want to say, you know, we don't have anything else. And, um, it's important to, to be clear headed about those moments and to not get beaten up about it
0: now this is a lyric specific question for you, George. I've found that song, first of all, I guess when it comes to lyrics, are you a computer or a pen and paper
1: person? Um, <laughs> I would love to say that I'm more of like a pen and paper person. Cause it makes me seem, uh, distinguished, but no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm hardly even a computer person. I'm like a, I'm straight up like notes in my phone. Oh, you are. Uh, I, 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 I do just, just to be safe. I, I transfer them. Um, but yeah, a lot of my it's, it's, you know, in the same way that Carrie gets inspired surfing, I find those moments of autopilot to be, um, inspirational for me as well, say something like driving or, um, or running, uh, which, which I do a lot. And, and if I can, if those automated, those automated movements are taken care of and my brain is freed up, um, typically thoughts tend to flood and, as i'm not one that runs with a you know p- uh paper pad and pen yeah. um but i will have my phone on me yeah i'll stop a jog and kind of figure out some sort of like mess you know like a quick paragraph and then i'll keep going and then i'll and then i'll revisit it later on and 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 so on but yeah that's that's definitely uh it's always it's a lot of the time it's very on the go i'd be curious the cadence of movement ever inspire you with words
0: or you know carry with music like how much does that that monotony inspire you or
1: the movement whatever it is itself i I think a little bit i think especially with driving i think i think because driving for me is so languid mostly um especially Mm -hmm. if i'm going out say to kathy's house our manager where where we tend to practice which is outside the city and and on like a long stretch of highway um uh yeah that that suspension um Mm -hmm and fills me with a certain amount of calm and that calm allows me to grasp ideas grasp language vocabulary in a much more clearer way than i would be able to otherwise and i th- yeah, I think so because you know when i'm talking about driving it's not like heavily trafficked right, um, right. i'm on not, not rush hour um it's a it's a fluid slow experience and um, yeah and one that's typically very helpful yeah
0: so, Carrie, I guess it, how often outside influences—you know, things that you, yeah—I mean, I think we, you know, sounds or things that you hear. Do you get inspired by? I think, oh, maybe that's a riff I can I can
2: start. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's. Um, it's never. It's never like. Uh, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's never. It, for me, it's it's not really hearing like a car alarm or something like that. It's almost it's like a reverse engineer of that where so- someone will, um, for instance, Shiv having um, the synth latch at the beginning of the gnashing on the record. Where I thought, oh, that sounds kind of like a cool alarm going off or something like that. Um, f- I think for me, w- w- the way that outside influences help um inspired me the most is when is when you can take other pieces of music or things that i've heard on soundtracks or in in different genres or something like that and you can apply the general principles of them to um to 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 you whatever your purpose is at the time so i I feel like a good example is is I've, I've tried several times to explain to people about, um, you know, the idea of like a death metal hook or like a black metal hook or something like that, like that there is, if you take the, like what, if you break down the idea of what is a hook, it's something, it's something memorable and catchy that is kind of, uh, draws someone in it's like a big, a payoff in a song, you know, and you can take that principle and apply it. To you know, anyone from you know Justin Bieber or whatever to Behemoth or you know something like that. So it's that, that is the kind of thing that I feel like I'm more inspired by. It will be like um, you know this is kind of a cool thing that Massive Attack does here. You know, uh, they're holding the tense uh, bass line while the chords cycle around it, and then after. Uh, you know, four bars or something like that, they give you the release, the relative major or whatever. And that's like a big like welcome home moment. And you can apply that to anything with a bat blast beat. You can apply, you know, you can take a cranberry song and put a blast beat behind it and you will get, it will not sound out of out of place. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I feel like those recontextualizing other music is, is more of where I get inspired from than uh, generic sounds. I almost kind of wish I did more though, hearing keys jingle or something. That
0: sounds like. A yeah. Thing. Yeah. So, uh, Carrie, do you have a lot of, I'm sure you, both of you, I mean, you must have a lot of discarded ideas that you think, ah, you know, this isn't working now when you're in a rut, how often do you go back, uh, Carrie to those ideas and say, hmm, maybe you leaf through some of these, you know, and see if maybe this will inspire me something who maybe was a year or two or longer ago.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely whenever we're writing a record, um, uh, the biggest uh, the biggest example of that I think would be uh, the end of Honeycomb um, off of uh, Ordinary Correct Human Love. Uh, that riff, the there's like that big ring out, and then there's like a palm muted like yeah. that riff is literally from 2009 I think oh wow yeah and I uh went over to a friend's house and uh just messed around on his garage band and he had uh he had an uh you know an interface and stuff like that and I emailed it to myself and then yeah when I when I was working on Honeycomb um you know we needed an, an outro to it and I remembered it that I had it and uh, I was like, oh, shit, it's in, it's in D major, it's in drop D too. Like this will fit kind of the vibe we're going for at this, this point. Um, there's that, there's there's a few times where I've done that. Um, but, you know, it's. It, I think it always, I think the important thing is it always winds up becoming something other than what it originally was. Like, it's, especially when it, you know, I'll take an idea and I'll say, hey, uh what do you guys think about this and show it to people and it always winds up inevitably both different some degree of recognizable or unrecognizable and then also um also uh better than i thought than i was picturing originally
0: yeah uh George, I was going to ask you if you have discarded journal notebooks, but because it sounds like your everything is in your phone, is there a place where you store all of those lyrics and words and maybe like phrases that you think maybe this will be useful later on? And do you go back to those often? All
1: the time. Yeah, absolutely. I And I do. I, I do. I am pretty good at transferring most of them to a notebook, uh, which I do have. So I keep like two copies. Um, <laughs> but yes. Uh, I'm always going through my phone. Yeah. Cause I'll have like things I can't even remember, you know, or, or or to be honest with you, um, uh, you know, I, I get, I get a lot of inspiration when, when I go through periods of heavy reading, yeah. um, which isn't all the time. Um, It's fairly consistent, but, but there are times where it really kind of like ramps up and I'll even create a list of like, Just words that i like i have like vocabulary lists um thing you know i was like oh god such a great word uh and and i'll often go back to those and especially um if i'm if i'm if i'm if i need something actually specific for a part i'll go back i'll look at those i'll think about what can fit and and i can usually quickly become pretty inspired or at least it will trigger it will trigger perhaps a memory of why I wrote it down to begin with, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, I connected with this emotionally because I was reading this Uh, and it, and it very rapidly just kind of, I find it in my own writing really fast or, or I, I can, I can edit a piece and include it or or I can just do whatever I want with it. It's kind of, it ends up being this sort of puzzle Um, taking pre-written lyrics and and forming them to the songs that the guys are writing is always like putting together a puzzle. And mm. especially with this record where we were doing that as we always do, but this time we were focusing on making hooks out of them and making, <clears throat> excuse me, making real choruses out of them. And, um, and so it was, it was that process of, of picking and choosing and, 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 puzzling and, and putting together that puzzle uh was more intense this time than than it had ever been
0: okay so let's end with this end because you mentioned reading and this is always my last question i found that songwriters are for the most part voracious readers you know i just don't talk to many there are a few that say yeah i never read um but so i guess george who do you like to read do you have certain go-to's do you go through like do you do you do you go through an author or do you go through a genre? Let's talk about your reading habits.
1: Um, uh, one, so, okay. So if I'm, if I'm wanting like specific inspiration, if I'm writing, especially for mm-hmm. Death Heaven, um, Maria Dulce, doce, doce Loinez is a big one. Um, uh, all of her poems on solitude uh, are very much uh, re- reflect a, a lot of things that I feel often. And so she is referenced quite a bit um i was reading a lot of like post-war kind of polish poetry um this writer alexander watt Mm -hmm. um simborska uh milos uh you know the, the majors um a lot of lydia davis um i got i recently got her like collected works and her collected essays um uh, I think something that was on everyone's list was Ocean Vong's, Um On Earth Were Briefly Gorgeous. I felt like that was just a huge book um, and one that kind of sticks with me still. And then I was reading a lot of political stuff in the last year. This is another interest of mine. doesn't necessarily filter into songwriting, but... Um, uh, I, I read a couple Anthony Beaver books, um, um, World War II, I read Eric Foner's Reconstruction. Um, I have Manning Maribel's, uh, Malcolm X biography and, um, how capitalism underdeveloped black America, um harry braverman's labor and monopoly capital (laughs) just kind of dry uh (laughs) you know like there's only so much like you know kind of like emotional reading you can do even though even though i think that historical reading is is quite emotional um i i do enjoy the kind of uh the occasional sort of academic thing.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned poetry because very few songwriters read poetry. It's very distressing to me. Um, yeah. I, I just I I can count on probably one hand the number who say who are influenced by poets, but um I find I always read two or three books at a time. I never could do that before. Um, and it was always a one book at a time person. And now I make sure I read like one novel and one nonfiction book at the same time, maybe mm-hmm. some poetry. Mm-hmm. And I some songwriter told me that and it changed my reading habits because what it does is that, as I'm reading that fiction book, that nonfiction book is somewhere I know like stewing around and that changed my reading habit entirely. So do you do that? or Are you a one book person?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Typically. I mean, I, with the, I think the benefit to poetry is that you can skip around. Um, yeah. Uh, and yes, uh, qu- especially if I'm reading something that's kind of um, academic or, or frankly, just uh, depressing you know, like, <laughs> right. like, like, like reading uh, like when I, I was reading fall of Berlin 1945 like so much of that book is very uh, harsh and um and and hard to get through uh, just because the content is so severe and so yeah I, you take breaks and you you know I need a little bit of a not that poetry is light but it's just other and yeah. and and it's it's cleansing and the both play off each other quite well And that's it for the latest episode of Songwriters
0: on Process. Don't forget, you can find all of my interviews with over 200 songwriters on my Songwriters on Process website at songwritersonprocess.com, going all the way back to 2010. You can read them, watch them, or listen to them. So until next time, thanks for listening.